Now, broadcasting on Radio Star Worldwide, it's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. Well, welcome, welcome. This is Dr. Bart Rademacher, prescription for your transformation. Hashtag real people, hashtag real conversations. And I guess the conversations are pretty hot these days for a lot of different reasons. And that's kind of going to be the topic of our talk today, and it's going to be very non-political because this is not the political platform, and I respect all people and all opinions. Uh, Wendy's uh, not always. <laughs> uh, we just had an off-the-record conversation, which none of you will find out about. Um, and, and you know, I'm so excited to be here today again, um, you know, with Wendy. Uh, she is just absolutely awesome, and um, you had a great night last night, I guess. Huh? I did, yeah. I went to the Arizona premiere of the Netflix series I'm in called Summer Sales, and I had to do stand-up comedy. Man, that was difficult. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I think you, 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 you bombed it. I, think you did. I had fun. <laughs> My voice is gone, though. It's, I like It's super deep today. I think it's because I didn't get much sleep. <laughs> yeah, but I like the voice. Yeah? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know and so again so people who are tuning in today you know this platform really is what is that prescription that you're going by and and what's really interesting is that when you really start to think about it you know whose life are you living anyhow by whose whose ideas whose programs whose map and so often we learn all these things as children you know, whether they're religious or cultural or just, you know, societal, whatever those rules are, you know, how aware are you of them? How aware are you of the decisions that you make? You know, I'm not talking about being impulsive by any means, but the truth is, is that, you know, every single day we have about 70,000, if not more thoughts, and of which 90% are the same thoughts as the day before. And how aware are you of those thoughts? Because the truth is, is that if you become even more conscious, and they call this mindfulness, you know, Eastern philosophy, I mean, they were onto something, you know, many centuries ago, that, you know, finally the Western world is, is tapping into once again. <clears throat> because wouldn't it be nice just to be aware of everything, be very conscious about, you know, how you're feeling, and why you're feeling, and why you're choosing? You know, so often I ask people a question and they don't have a clue. Mm. What's your experience? I, you know, I always try to be very self-aware. So mm. I, I do make a conscious effort to, to do that. So, yeah. And actually I learned a lot from, from doing your show and experiencing your show. And it made me really change the way I think and the way I perceive things. Because now I do look on the inside and why do I act this way? Or why do I think this way? So, yeah, I've learned a lot from you. You know, and, and thank you. And, and I've learned so much from so many brilliant people, you know, over the years. And it's kind of funny because when I when I reflect back on the years of education and do you know how many years of education I have? Oh, my goodness. I'm I would say a, a lot, a lot more than I can imagine. <laughs> Formal. You are a doctor. 
formal education, 35 years. Wow. Right? That doesn't count with all the seminars I, went, I did you know, in between or afterwards, but 35 years of formal, formal education, you know, nonstop, you know, every, every, every day, every week, anything else. And it was interesting because, and this is the reason, the genesis of the of this platform, why it is what I do, is, and I shared this with you before, but, you know, I had completed my training in plastic surgery. So medical training for me was about 17 years. And nine years of which were surgical training. And, you know, I was excited because I moved down to Florida, was buying my first home, you know, and, and I had the, the luxury of the freedom mm -hmm. of choice. I could do what I wanted. You know, I was my own boss, so to speak. You know, I wasn't a resident anymore. I mean, that's that's a tough life. I mean, you know, I, I feel for all those guys that are still residents. Oh, I couldn't um, imagine. It's it's one of the most inhuman experience, I'm telling you. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <clears throat> when I was a general in general surgery residency, there were times that um, I was on call for 72 hours straight. And fortunately, I could get a catnap here and a catnap there. You know, unfortunately, the, the kind of work that I was doing then as a resident, you know, wasn't that complicated. So, I mean, you could sort of get away with it and, um, and not cause any, you know, disasters. And, you know, because you don't want to do that. I, I, oh, my God, I would be terrified. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Um, but what was, was even harder was when I was in my plastic surgery program. Or I kid you not, I was on call for 36 hours nonstop, right? But here's 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 the thing: in surgery, operating, right? 36 a, hours. Yeah, 36 hours. And I had one break between five and six in the morning, where I just got a quick quick nap, and then back to surgery. And as if to make that you know uh, not bad enough, this is what we call microsurgery, working with a, a microscope, and so the the motions. Uh, the the movements are are millimeter by millimeter as we're sewing you know the smallest nerves and blood vessels back how together. Could, how could that be safe for the patient if you're if you're so sleep deprived? You know I'm not going to answer that <laughs> question. <laughs> we, we just managed, and um, I mean it was funny once in a while when I was operating with my professor or in one of the senior residents. And then, you know, you're in this microscope. And basically, as a junior resident, you're just assisting. So wow. you, don't, you, it's, you don't have any real reason to stay awake because you're really not doing anything. You're just kind of there, like, holding stuff. And so it's kind of easy to fall asleep. And um, these microscopes, they're huge. They're huge microscopes with, you know, two view angles so two people can operate at the same time. But you're so glued on the mic microscope with your head leaning on it or uh -huh. close to leaning on it. And when I would kind of nod off, I'd kind of bump into the microscope and push the, the lenses right into the other person's eyes. Oh, my goodness. And then, of course, a lot of expletives came out after that. But, you know, fortunately, we, did, you know, we always did well. I mean, wow. At the end of the day, things were well. Patients were safe. We got great results. It was a, it was a phenomenal program where I did learn a lot of things, and that's what's interesting today because, you know, that's that's the worth ethic I bring into my my life today. I mean, mm -hmm. I have 16, 18 hour days every every single day. I just stop. Like I just don't stop, and it's just interesting how some of the younger generations are not really appreciating that kind of experience, and and I feel bad for them. It's not really their fault. 
is that they just don't know what it is to work really hard. Mm-hmm. So getting back to what, what I was really talking about, is I was two years into my, my private practice and really wasn't sure what I needed to do. You know, I'd done everything that I was supposed to do and now I'm practice and now it's like, okay, great, what's next? And I wasn't that happy with my life. Mm-hmm. And I had every reason to be happy. But I felt that something was missing. I didn't know what was missing. And what was missing were the questions. You know, when, when, as Tony Robbins puts it very eloquently, you know, the quality of life is the quality of questions that you ask. When you ask better questions, you'll get better answers. And I didn't know that. I didn't know what questions I needed to ask. And so fortunately, I was brought to an event totally changed my life. And so now I ask good questions or quality questions. So what kind of questions do you ask every day? The, uh, the kind of questions that I ask every day? Well, mm-hmm. Oh, to myself or towards others? To yourself. To myself? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I, I always try to, to ask myself, okay, what can I do? to be better at things. So to be a better worker, a better employee, but also what can I do to help better the community? I'm very, very community oriented. Um, I'm very, very active in the artistic community. So I'm always trying to ask, I always ask myself, you know, how can I bring people together? How can I make our community stronger? How can I, you know, move things forward? So that's my main focus is community. You know, that's, that's wonderful. And but here, here's the truth that you may not even be aware of. The truth is that you're actually unconsciously asking a variety of different questions that you're just not consciously aware of. And it's those more fundamental uh, questions that are being answered that then also lead you to ask the questions and get the answers like the ones you just share. Mm-hmm. So one of the first questions the brain is going to ask is, what do I focus on? Because... Whatever you focus on goes your energy, right? Mm-hmm. And just take, for example, the result, you know, whatever the, the um, presidency, however you look, like to look at it. But, you know, one person may look at this, well, this is a crisis, you know, focusing on, say, the negative. Or the other one could look at, okay, here's the opportunity. It's where, and that's where your energy goes. Mm-hmm. See, I would think of it more of an opportunity. With the whole well, presidency that, thing. So. That's how I always look at it from the perspective of, you know, whoever gets into office, you know, not sharing, you know, anybody and my political views with anybody right now. But every time a new president is elected, I say, great, where's the opportunity here? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, how are we going to make this work? And interesting enough, not being born in the United States, you know, I feel sometimes more American than some because the the whole framework if you will the 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 spine of america is built on foreigners Mm -hmm. you know and and you know over the years immigrants actually and you know legally immigrants by the way (laughs) hey well i know my great grandparents came in um they're came in from sweden and they were farmers so yeah yeah, and so I'm Dutch, and so I'm basically a, 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 a modern immigrant. But I, I came in legally, and I, I, I did what I had to do and paid the price and everything else. But what was interesting is that I feel more American in supporting this country than, than so many others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. I think we have a responsibility to, to accept what's around us and, and just ask the questions. You know, Like you just said right now, what is it that I can do to contribute you know, to my community? 
And because by all standards, all people are good. I mean, I think everybody's motivated by a positive intent. I mean, I don't think any baby is born bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, think about it. I mean, really. I mean, look at a baby and they're absolutely adorably cute, right? You know, what molds them is, is the environment around them. And it's what they focus on. And so the most critical question that we're going to want to ask ourselves is what, you know, what am I going to focus on? And what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know what the, um, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, but do you know what the word crisis means in, in Chinese? I do not. Does, oh, wait, wait, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Opportunity. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, oh. it has, it has <laughs> two meanings. And one of the meanings is this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I knew you were smart. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So, so the other thing then that we also really need to ask, and, and I'm, I'm constantly asking this question, um, you know, when you're driving around, you know, driving in a car, what do you focus on? And, and people these days, it's easy to be so easily distracted, but it's also very easy to stay focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, how annoying is it when you're talking to somebody, right? And you know that they're not paying attention, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is which is amazing. Who, who t- to your mind, is an extremely charismatic person? Let's take a political figure, whether you like him or not. You so know who, what? Very charismatic. That would be Bill Clinton. Exactly. And the reason is... He always pays attention it, to whomever he's speaking to? I am. He doesn't, he doesn't carry a cell phone, mm-hmm. so he's not distracted that way. And when you're in front of him, you're his world. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know, he was able to connect with so many people, whether you agree or disagree with his views. right? The fact of the matter remains, he was very charismatic because he just focused on you. Mm-hmm. And so many people have a rule, don't look to talk rule. Right, and I think you and I talked about this the, before. The which one? Don't, don't look to talk rule. Mm. Because uh, for a variety of reasons, and usually it's, it's some form of insecurity within themselves. And if you're looking at somebody, then maybe you're too aggressive, or maybe you're too forward, or maybe you're starting to think about what they're thinking about you, or judgmental, a variety of different things. And a lot of people don't look at you. Right? But what's really neat when you're really connecting with somebody is to really look at them. Now, in our case, you and me, I mean, I'm actually looking away. You know, I'm looking at the swans out there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually going internal and thinking because you're a distraction. So if I'm talking to the audience here, I got to figure out. It's because I forgot to put my eyebrows on today. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, that my hair is just, my hair is so blonde that it looks like I don't have any today. Oops. It's distracting, isn't it? It's well, you're just distracting, period. And I, I won't share it with the audience why, but you're just an awesome <laughs> person. You know? just, your awesomeness is distracting. So, but one thing that always amazes me about you, by the way, is is your mood. You're always in a great mood. Thank you. And so that's the other question that we're going to want to ask. You know, how does my mood affect me? Affect my experience right now? Mm-hmm. You know, what mood do I want to be in? And it's interesting, when you talk to people, I mean, when you think about it, you know, when people are being negative, you know, what's, what's the benefit of that, 
when you think about it. I don't see a benefit of negative Nancy's, of people being negative all the time. Like uh, my sister, she's always so completely negative that I just don't want to be around her. When you're around negative people, you just want to just repel and stay away from them. So I yeah. think I, I always make it a conscious effort, regardless if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood or if I'm having a bad day, you know what, I'm going to see the best out of it. And I'm going to do my best to be a happy, productive and cheerful person, because I believe that if you're in a good mood or if you're a happy person, that that's contagious. If you're happy, then the people around you are going to be happy. So I make a conscious effort to, even if I'm having like the worst day ever, I'm still going to be happy because there's always good things going on around you. Do you feel that you're forcing it or you're just really being it? I'm just really being it. You know, right. I've just, it's, I'm a very happy and thankful person. Right. And, and that, that's what it is because you can't force it. Mm -hmm. If you force it, it's not authentic. It's not real. People won't connect with it. But here's the thing. You know, there's two main uh, things about people who like to hang around certain people. You know, one is, you know, people like people like themselves. So if there's a commonality, if there's, you know, they have the same kind of point of views or they talk the same or, you know, use the same kind of language. And I remember, um, this is really funny, back in residency in general surgery, <clears throat> I was in an inner city uh, hospital um, as, a, as a chief resident there. And so you had a lot of homeless people and they had some really pretty nasty wounds and stuff like that. And we're like, like, I'm not even going into details. It's pretty gross. And, and, but there was this one fellow and, um, he, he really liked me. And, and he told me one day as I was about to leave my, my, my term there, he says, you know, doc, you know, thank you so much. I mean, you're just the coolest dude and, and really connect with you and I really appreciate you. And, and you're the only person that ever connected with. And, and I realized, you know, you know, he was a homeless guy and, and he had bad luck in his life and, and, and whatever. But I didn't look at any of that. Right. I just looked at him as a, as a human being. I respected his space. And um, but what I did, what no one else would do, is this. Every other word that he used was a swear word. Right. And I'm not going to share them on the radio right now, obviously. But, you know, he was uh, very, very good. He's very prolific at the words. He had a very expansive <laughs> work list that I can't even begin to remember. What I did is every 10th word was a swear word. And yeah. because we connect, connected with him in that commonality, you know, we really bonded. We really connected. And, and he was appreciative and I took care of him and all that kind of stuff. But that's so that's the one thing that, that gets us together. But to what you were just sharing earlier is that people like other to be around people who lift themselves up. So if you're in a great mood and you're enthusiastic, you know, people like that. People like hanging around you because of your energy. Yeah, you're going to get those people that are jealous and... You know, um, and also because you're gorgeous and they're not going to like you because of that or they're going to feel threatened. Mm -hmm. But in general, the reason that you attract people, and it's not because of the way you look, it's also because of your energy. And that's huge. Thank you. You're welcome. So <clears throat> the mood that we in that we're that we are in right now is really the lens through which we see everything. 
And so we we have a choice. We have a choice to to choose whatever mood that we're in. And again, so that's the question. You know, what choice do I want to make? Do I want to be angry? Do I want to be negative? And, and my belief is that no one really wants to be that. So if you are that, so if you're angry, right? Mm-hmm. What do you say to yourself? What, what questions do you ask? Well, how can I get out of this funky mood? <laughs> if I'm angry, I always do my best. So, okay, how can I resolve this? How can I move above it and beyond it and get right back on track to where I want to be? Right. What do you think most people ask? Um, if they were to ask. You know what? It's funny. There's some people, I, I think they play the blame game in their head. And they try right. to blame everybody else but themselves. And so I see that. I see a lot of negative. But I, I'm not sure what, what average like what normal people would ask because I'm always stuck in my own head. Okay, so... <laughs> hey, I'm being honest here. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. You don't want to be stuck in anybody else's head because... Wouldn't that be you know, scary? <laughs> or really scary. Um, I was going to try to say something. We were talking about improv. <laughs> I, need, I need to do this improv stuff because... You know, I'm so straight-faced, really, in general, when I'm in my thinking mode. Uh-huh. I can't, it's hard for me to be funny. Um, Is your so chair gotta, broken? <laughs> no, it's, it's, one these, <laughs> it's one of these bouncy chairs. Oh, okay, okay. It's to help my spine. I have one of those in my in my office at my house. Those are fun. I fell off it, though. <laughs> you do? Well, you're, you're uncoordinated. I'm so, so. I'm klutzy. <laughs> See, okay, take that one, for example. So you're <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it's because my equilibrium's off, so it always feels like I'm a little bit drunk, even though I'm completely sober, and it's just because everything is constantly moving. See, some people, oh, somebody's bringing you a drink, Bill. Oh, yay. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Where's mine? Where's yay, my... my morning was just made. <laughs> what do you mean your morning was just made? I thought I was your morning. Well, you are my morning, but I, I, I can't drink you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about drinking, uh, you know, it, anybody who's listening right now, and I know we're going off tangents a lot today, and that's okay. Uh, juicing. Juicing is the best Ooh. thing you can do. I love juicing. And um, and it's not using a Vitamix or, or you know, a bullet. You've, you really got to get one of those juicers. Breville's a great one. Very affordable. They're only about 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the slow juicers. The Kubix is a really good one. I think and mine is called like the Omega, and that's the one that emulsifies everything. Right, and so that's what you want to do. And so you know, when I do my leafy greens, I use one, and then I. And so yesterday I made the mango, orange, and apple juice, and mixed it up mm. with kale and. Um, I'm trying to get ready. Kale and the spinach is just amazing. That's really good. Kale's really strong, so that's why I I, I see you use the the mango. That really uh, it calms down the kale flavor because kale is super strong. I love I love kale. Yeah, I, I love kale. You I love know, it. I I use a lot of kale with mine, but um, I also use a lot of you know like peaches, plums, pineapples, because mm-hmm. um, those have a nice tangy flavor and it really mixes really well with the kale. So, Which kind of plum do you use? What? I use peaches, plums, and pineapples. Really? Yeah. And, and a salad? Oh, no, when I juice. Oh, when you juice it. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were talking about juicing. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> and, no, no, I, I was thinking of something. 
What were you All thinking? Right. <laughs> yeah, I was asking the wrong question. <laughs> so anyway, moving along. So your mood right now is really going to determine, you know, the experience that you have. And so say, for example, you're in a happy mood and you're having dinner and somebody spills, you know, red wine over you. And it's like, you're in a happy place. It's, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a drag, you know, whatever. It's an it's expensive dress, but, you know, you'll deal with it. But if you're in a, in a nasty mood, you know, if you're grumpy, you know, somebody just, you know, spills water over you and then you get livid, you're upset. And so it's really interesting then to know, you know, how your mood really affects where you're at right now. But then we criticize ourselves so much when we're in an angry mood or <clears throat> if we're in a jealous mood or we have any of these negative emotions, so to speak, and we beat ourselves up. And then we kind of stay stuck in those moods, or most people do, stay stuck in their mood. And if, if anything, they're asking, you know, why, why is my life like this? Mm -hmm. you know, why am I here? Why, does, why is it so unfair for me? And questions that just support the negativity of the mood is what most people <clears throat> have a challenge with. And they're not even aware of it. I was just talking to a friend of mine, you know, and she knows a, a couple um, that are really very attached to each other. Very, they're very much in love with each other. But the one person is just really negative. And it's sort of like, wow, you know, how do you stay in that environment? Yeah. With such a negative person, always complaining, always criticizing. And so my question for you, why do you think people do that? Why do you think people are, you know, so much in that negative space? That I don't know. I, I have a sibling that is, she's so immersed in her own uh, negativity that I, I won't see her. I won't spend time with her because I, I think negative, negativity and both positivity are very contagious. So when you're around somebody that's negative all the time, it only brings you down. So I, I can't, I will not surround myself with people who are negative like that because it's not good for, for my, like my internal being, you know? So I right. don't know why people stay. They must really love each other for them to, to, to be able to uh, to uh, constantly be around each other like that when you have one that's so positive and one that's so negative. I just, I don't know. I just surround myself with people who make me a better person. And if somebody's not making me a better person, I'm not going to waste my time or theirs. So that's why you hang around me because I'm always making a better person, right? Yeah, I, I learned a lot from you. And likewise, it's mutual. Thank <clears throat> um, you. You know, so what's true then is that, you know, negativity, these negative conversations, these negative statements, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that has to do with, it's a social currency. It's a very, um, it has very low value, but it's very easily accessible. And, you know, that's how people connect. That's how people are significant. You know, that's how people, you know, have certainty. You know, I've got this big problem, you know. So, you know, we need these things in our life. As, 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 and from the perspective of human behavioral psychology, we need certainty, we need variety, we need significance, we need connection, love and connection. And the easiest way to get that is by being so negative. Because if I have a bigger problem than you, then I'm more significant than you. If I have a big problem, well, then I have certainty that I have a problem. Right? And then you get to talk to me about your problems, and I get to talk to you about my problems. Guess what? we got a connection. Right. And then if we get all pissed off, then we get the variety. You know, I'm just so not into that. <laughs> I know because, right, uh. you're able you're, you're taking responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. And not to say that other people 
don't want to do that. They just don't know how, or they're not aware of it. And so, a great question. I was coaching somebody the other day, and you know, she's in an interesting, you know, relationship issue, and I'm kind of blaming her state of affairs now on that relationship, right? And so I asked this: Is well, what's your role in all this? And then the answer was, well, I'm just like an amazing uh, like uh, housewife housekeeper says no that's not what I'm talking about right I'm talking about you know what have you done to contribute you know to the situation mm -hmm. what questions have you asked what have you focused on what meanings have you given it and I think so many people really forget you know that you're in charge of your brain you're in charge of your thinking right that is They're so true they're your thoughts. Yeah. You're in charge of your thinking, so you're in charge of your life. And I don't care, you know, who's president or what's the economic situation or what horrible, you know, weather system, you know, is coming your way. <clears throat> you're still responsible for how you show up. I went to Sri Lanka after the tsunami hit. Yeah. And I went there about three months later to perform surgeries. And what was amazing was the incredible fortitude and, and positive attitude that people had. They got back on their feet. They were rebuilding the country. I mean, that country was devastated. I yeah. mean, it was just horrible. I think, uh, what was it? Uh, I think in Sri Lanka, if, if my number serves me correct, 40,000 people died wow. in just a couple of hours. Wow. Right? I mean, Indonesia was hit with 100,000. So. Um, and it was terrible. I mean, the stories that I heard then, there was a doctor, for example, and there's an interview on, on, on my website with, from, uh, was at ABC News, who interviewed me after I came back. They were supposed to send a cameraman with me, but they didn't go. And uh, I was interviewing a, as a physician, and his first indication, and this is pretty intense, so, you know, just bear with me for a moment. Mm -hmm. His first, you know, awareness of what was happening was when a wave of water, you know, opened the door of his office and he saw, you know, babies coming in. And uh, he was close to a, um, you know, an orphanage and uh, places were just wiped out. It was just awful. Wow. So, but the people just responded and, and you know, how do I, how do I rebuild my life versus, you know, who's going to take care of me now, you know? Who's going to give me what, what I'm not willing to work for? And I think it's important for all of us. I don't care where you come from. I see people that work really, really hard you know, just to make ends meet. And they're some of the happiest people. You know, they don't necessarily like where they're at, but, you know, they have that attitude. Says, I'm going to make it happen. I'm responsible for my life. Make sense? It does. So then the other question is, you know, what is it that I really want? Mm. I'm being honest. What do I want right, right now? What is it that you want right now? What is it that I really want right now? What is it that you really, truly want right now? What I really want is divine happiness. Ah. That's what I really want. And the secret to divine happiness, you know what that is? Finding it in yourself? Uh, well, that happens. When you do that. What, what is the secret? I don't know the secret. You know? No. All right. Well, it's really easy. 
and and it's funny because we make it so complicated. And in fact, so many people don't think they deserve it. So there's a really? question. Right? Yes, absolutely. They don't. They're not necessarily even aware of it. Most people just feel that they don't deserve to be happy. They don't deserve um, something. And 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 this is very prevalent in so many people. I mean, they just don't deserve success. You know, they don't deserve the relationship. They don't deserve the body. Um, and it's just a program. You know, they're running somebody's prescriptions of how life needs to be. And they're not even aware of it. So, do you have a guess? Any other guess about divine happiness? Oh, my gosh. I would just think inner peace, really. Being uh, content I, to where you are now, but still striving for more. Yeah, well, you still have to do something to get there. Oh, okay. I uh, tell me. <laughs> One, I'm two, three. Not it. No. <laughs> how many minutes we have left? Um, so it's you have it's it's actually really quite obvious. You have to resolve everything that makes you unhappy. That's mm. it. Right. Yeah. We make it so complicated. We say, well, we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we've got to do this and I got to, you know, run 20 miles a day and, and I got to earn so much money and I got to meditate and whatever. No, just resolve whatever makes us unhappy. And that's what's interesting because people are very, tend to be very unhappy with a lot of things in their lives, but also with themselves. Mm -hmm. But guess what? That's part of the human experience. Yeah. Just being to accept the fact that you are you, that whatever it is that you're doing makes sense. You might not know why it makes sense, but somewhere it does make sense. And and I'm not gonna I used to say then just deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but truly is yeah, just accept that. And it's not dealing with it, just accept the fact, okay, I'm pissed off. And I'm frustrated. You know, Eckhart Tolle, you know, in his book, uh, The Power of Now, he really brought it up to the forefront, I believe, where he just tells you, just kind of get out of your body. Be that observer. Observe yourself in that situation. Be curious as to why this negative emotion is showing up. In fact, be curious why the positive emotion is showing up so that you can actually learn from that. But kind of stepping away and, and, and in a sense, not just so much stepping away. I mean, that's kind of a visual kind of construct for some people to kind of get away from themselves, but not be attached to an emotion. Mm. Be dissociated from emotion. Pretend that it's somebody else, if you will. Because then you can appreciate what's going on. Not logically construct a reason and everything else. Or logically say that you shouldn't be this way, but just simply says, okay, you know, I can I can appreciate why somebody is, why that person in that situation would be angry, mm -hmm. why that person would be sad. Not making them right or wrong, and that gives you so much leverage to start making different decisions, because that's the that's the final question. What am I going to do? If you're angry and you tell you and you ask yourself, okay, you know, what do I really want? I want happiness. What am I going to do? I'm going to ask a better question. You know, what is it that I can now do to um, not be angry, right? You dissociate, 
We'll process that step. Be curious. You know, set, make a statement that says, okay, there's a, there's a there's a reason for this, and I need to do something about it. And then taking that action and saying, okay, great. What can I now do to be in a great mood? What can I now do to be in that mood that I want to be in? And that's actually what you obviously are doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Chocolate helps. <laughs> you know what? It does. It does. It releases heavy endorphins in the brain. <laughs> you know also what helps? Huh? Shopping. Yeah. You know, I'm not good at shopping. I'm so bad at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everywhere I go, it's like people recognize me and I always feel like I'm being watched because like <laughs> we'll be at the store and some random person like, hey, you're Wendy. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Nice to see you. How's it going? And then I always have to feel like I have to be on like all the time. So I just, uh, I like privacy. <laughs> I had to do my shopping online. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, just do it online. I do the majority of it now, but yeah, it's kind of weird. I'll go somewhere and then I'll see a message. Somebody's like, Hey, I saw you at Nordstrom's. I'm like, you didn't say hi. <laughs> you just watched me. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but do you like shopping online? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to buy clothes though. Yeah. 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 I'm almost six feet tall, so it's hard to find clothes. <laughs> you have back, right? Huh? You just send them back, don't you? Uh, I give it to my sister because she's shorter than I am. Oh, she is? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'll order something if I really like it and it doesn't fit. I'm like, okay, here you go, Clarissa. <laughs> so well, she's, she's only wig? like 5'7", so it's everything fits her. <laughs> why don't you get a red wig or something? I do have a, I have a Jessica Rabbit wig. Does that count? Oh, that counts. Rare. Awesome. <laughs> so does, does that actually help? Uh, no, it actually garners more attention. <laughs> okay. Actually, my assistant came in my office the other day with, with a wig on and says, whoa, what happened to you? <laughs> it's amazing how just the hair changes everything. Yeah, I mean, I've done a couple movies where um, I played one part as a blonde and they needed extras. And so I'd show up with a with a black hair wig or a brown haired wig, and you know, so I would see myself in, in doing all these different things in movies, all these different parts, because you know it's easy to look different with different hair. But you know what you could do? You could put like this um, really dark kind of makeup on. Mm-hmm. I could right? go goth. Goth, <laughs> yeah, and a hat. Yeah. You know, and actually like putting on one of those. those um, you know, rings in your nose. <laughs> oh my god! Just go do a clip on some people. You know, that would be yeah. so fun. Yeah. In like, fact, it's so funny. I mean, you know, you kind of have this idea of doctors, right? Uh-huh. Should be and and not not being uh, judgmental about this, but it just clearly shows somebody's inability to appreciate you know the rest of the world and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I had one fellow. He was a, he was a student. He had this huge nose ring, you know, and he was a medical student. Hmm. And I, I thought that was kind of irresponsible because you know, you're dealing with people who are sick. You know, they need to be able to trust you. You know, if everybody had nose ring, that'd be fine. But you know, it's not like that. Oh, I can. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, that makes my nose hurt. Right. Just think about oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be, I'd be sneezing all, all, all the time. Was it in the septum or was it in the nostril? Yeah. 
In the really? septum, really? Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like those, 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 those uh, it reminds me of a cow. Oh, cow. like the bull ring, yeah. I wonder, oh my gosh. You know, my sister has one of those. Or one Because, you know, I have eight brothers and sisters. Um, one of them, and what she does, she like tucks it in her nose when she's at work. And she does, she's done, she untucks it. It's so weird. Is she really? It's so weird. Do you have any tattoos? No. No, no. Good. No tattoos, no weird piercings, no. Uh-uh. Well, I'm on the, I, I do romance novel covers. You're not allowed to have tattoos or piercings or anything like that if you're if you do romance novel covers because you have to look like you can be from any genre. So yeah, that's not. Well, that's smart because I know a lot of models that you know, kind of messed up their career because they've got all this this stuff on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I won't. No, I, I don't. Just the thought of it. No, <laughs> I don't like no. that. Mm -mm. No, me neither. So, and that kind of leads to my next question. Okay. The, the interesting thing is, is that <clears throat> when you know what you really want or think you know what you want or kind of have a sense of what direction you want to go in or you have a goal, you have a target, you know, something like that, and then you don't get it, right? And then what one will typically do is, you know, blame something outside of them because they can't get their outcome. Mm. And, and again, they're... They're not asking the question, what's my role in this? And so sometimes people get, you know, this convoluted idea by doing things like tattoos or whatever is really going to get them something that they're lacking in, in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with a lot of different habits that people have, and I won't go into that list, but, you know, it's sort of like they're, they're wanting something in their life. Right, that they feel that they have to do something different to get to get the results that they want. And the, what they do oftentimes is is kind of out of the box of really what's I would say culturally normal or culturally acceptable. So, and then they can't figure out why they still can't get what they want in life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the real question that you're going to want to ask. Is that when you're not getting your what you want in life, whether it's the job, whether it's the relationship, whether it's the success, or whether it's just the body, right? Mm -hmm. Is you ask yourself, you know, what's preventing me from getting what I want? What specifically is stopping me from getting what I want? And that's sometimes a very hard question to ask or to get an answer to. Because you're so much in your own story in your own life and you're so much stuck in, in the programs that you've been running and not even aware of them and sometimes you just can't see you're like right in the middle of the forest mm -hmm. and that's why you know very successful people right they have coaches they have mentors they have people because here's the thing you know people your best friends you know what your best friends are who your best friends are my best friends are yeah, what, what qualities would you feel that you have in your best friend? <laughs> and and I, not, the, not the nice ones, like they're nice to me and all that kind of stuff. No, I think I, I, my best friends are the people who have similar qualities as I do. Okay, but what else do they need to give you? Um, oh, goodness, that's a good what question. Really, what really qualifies, you know, an ideal friend? Uh, patience, understanding, positivity, um, similar goals similar um wants 
similar needs. I just want a bunch okay. of clones of me, I guess. <laughs> it just sounds really selfish. <laughs> um, so are they all going to shop online? No, they no, no, no. They also know they need to have their differences too. Everybody's different. <laughs> so what, what's really important is your your ideal friends number one besides a lot of things that that you shared um they they should hold you to a higher standard mm -hmm. oh my god boy do they right good otherwise <laughs> you should hold them to a higher standard you really want to have people that hold you to a much higher standard i think my my things are ringing here i better turn those things off huh? oh so well, i always like to say surround myself with people who make me a better person people I can right. learn from. Exactly. So you really want people around you that will challenge you, that mm -hmm. will make you a better person because, you know, ultimately that's truly what we do want in life. Mm -hmm. We want to improve our lives to the extent that, you know, we can be happy. We have more choices. There are better things in our life. And you're going to do that when that environment around you is challenging you to, to be better. Um, <clears throat> And, and I guess the other thing, and it kind of comes with that anyhow, is people are going to call you out. They call you out on your bullshit. They mm -hmm. tell you what you don't want to hear. Yeah. I have and my friends, they literally, they will, they'll call me up and remind me, you need to eat today because I'll get so busy that I forget. And so that's, that's what my friends do. They hold me, hold me accountable of taking care of myself. And, and that's really good, but that's also more from the nurturing aspect mm -hmm. because you know that you know you kind of neglect yourself. Oops. But <laughs> it's also, but where it really counts is that moment where you feel that you're absolutely right about something, and that you know better than the rest of the world, and and because of that you're not getting to where you want to go, or, or you know you're actually hurting yourself in one way or another. It doesn't have to be physical. And somebody calls you out on that and says, no, you're wrong. And what you're thinking, what your perspective is just wrong. Mm -hmm. And having the courage, you know, to do that. And I think what, unfortunately, so many people coddle each other. You know, that's the problem we have in the colleges today, mm -hmm. honestly. You know, oh, or they get a, their little quiet corner to... <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. You know, you know, I mean, just, just, I mean, this is not a political issue. I mean, it's just, this is just a a life issue and you know this is why I like coaching so much because it's that ability to be really honest and authentic with yourself mm -hmm. but what's happening so often now especially in co colleges these kids are coddled right? they don't get the life experiences they don't have have you know the tough times to deal with mm -hmm. and they're just you know they just want to hear what they want to hear you know you talk about you know I'm going to use a political term, but we're not being political here. We talk about being liberal, mm -hmm. right? But then they, they protest when somebody says something that they don't like. Right? That's just wrong, right? You're all entitled. I don't care what country you're coming from, but you're all entitled to your own opinion. You're all entitled to your own model of the world. You know, my son has completely different political ideas than I have. Mm -hmm. And we had some really interesting conversations. And I just told him, says, look, as long as you can stand up and deliver the real reasons why you believe this, then I'll respect them. Mm -hmm. 
right? If you can't give me a good reason why you think one way or another. And he's a very clever kid. I mean, it's fun talking he to him. He takes after you. Um, no, <laughs> he doesn't. He's clever. Wait a minute, you're clever. He's clever in that way, yes. He's <laughs> so different than mine. <laughs> I know, but that's good that he's an open thinker like you are. So I think it, in, in essence, that's a very beautiful thing. It is definitely a beautiful thing. But the thing is, we knock heads. And <laughs> Good. And then we don't talk for, for a couple of months. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because we get very passionate about something. And because here's the thing. I know that I'm right. <laughs> he knows that he's right, too. Well, he, he, he doesn't know that he's right. He thinks he's right. Ah. And, and I just want him to have a better life. Mm-hmm. Right? See, I, just, I'm the same way with my parents for and religion. Because my mom is a Jehovah's Witness, and I am definitely not. And so we were constantly like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, it's, 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 you know, one of the conversation, I won't give you the, the content or the context, but the basics of one of the conversations we were having was, um, you know, you have to respect everybody's way of life and everybody's opinion. Mm -hmm. Right, whether you're majority or minority, it doesn't matter. Right, a majority or a minority can't change an established uh, uh, a cultural pattern, if you will, mm -hmm. just for the sake of one group or the other. You just can't do that. It's not fair. And you know that's. Um, wow, you even get sound effects. How cool is that? Yeah, I, I dig it, right? <laughs> See, I love it. You're making a good point, and then the phone rings because your point is so good. So, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I, I got this landline, and then the calls, and I should turn them on. So, um, you know, it's that kind of intolerance mm -hmm. to other people's point of view and forcing your point of view um, on someone else, and that's just not right. And I don't care if you're a minority or a majority. You know, somebody that has an established way of thinking or value for, for years, and as long as, as it doesn't directly impact somebody else, then leave it alone. Don't mm -hmm. change it. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely, yeah. And again, it really comes down to you know, people um, finding their own significance, finding their own certainty, um, by, and, and making it that other people have to feel the same. And so the question then again that, that you really want to ask is, you know, what's preventing me in this moment to feel the way that I want to feel? Mm -hmm. Because it's never about anybody else. It's about you. And we always make it about everyone else. Mm -hmm. Not always, but I mean, oftentimes we'll make things about someone else. Or something else. Well, yeah, we don't want to take the blame. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that's like human nature, in my opinion, that, yeah, it's easier to blame somebody else or blame situation instead of blaming yourself. And why do you think that is? I don't know if maybe it's the way that we're, our minds are programmed or is it just human nature or just people are... are just so surrounded in in the whole me bubble that it's easier to blame other people instead of just taking the blame themselves just saying hey oh man i totally messed up it's not easy to say that no it isn't and and the truth is 
you know, it, it comes down to the reason for this platform is we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And when we don't know what we don't know, I call it lack of clarity. I think lack mm-hmm. of clarity explains so much in our lives. You know, why we procrastinate, why we're unhappy, why we don't like this or we don't like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incumbent on all of us to basically ask the questions. You know, what is that I don't know? What is it that I don't see? Taking the time to honestly ask the questions. And what I respect about my son, because he's so opinionated, right, he does, even though he might get the wrong information, he, he puts a lot of effort and work in, in coming up with his decision. So I have mm-hmm. to respect him for that. Yeah. And But the hard part with him is he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. And that's also a challenge. That's just simply not being aware of either what it is that you're deciding and impacting others, right? Mm-hmm. And, and being perhaps a little too selfish. I can understand. I mean, sometimes it is hard to, to keep an open mind when you're very, very set in your opinion. And and that's the, that's, that's the, the whole thing then, is then you know, asking yourself the question, what is it that I really want? What's preventing me? How can I be more flexible, open-minded? And and many more questions beyond that. So actually today we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other things, including, you know, standing guard to your brain mm-hmm. and daily affirmations. So I think we're going to say that for next time. But I do want to wrap it up because we have only a few minutes. I got the finger from, uh, two fingers from. Uh, I just gave you the one finger. You gave me the, finger. the pointer finger, though, was it was the pointer finger. I gave you the yeah. thumbs. Is that better? The thumbs up, right? <laughs> yeah. Facial expressions too that go with it. So, one of the key questions is, what is it I don't know? What is that I don't see? You know, and, and how create that habit to do that at least once a week. Shut everything off. Turn the computer off. Turn the phone off. And this this is a brilliant you know ritual that I learned from a brilliant man called Keith Cunningham. And he's got a great program called Keys to the Vault. So if you look at keystothevault.com, you'll find it. But the other question that you're going to want to ask is, what would happen if I did this? And what would happen if I didn't do this? What would happen if I got what I want? What, would it, what wouldn't happen if I didn't get what I want? What would happen if I didn't get what I want? And what wouldn't happen if I didn't get what I want? So it's, it's really being clear as to what your future is. So I am Dr. Bart Rademacher with Amazing Wendy. <laughs> and the prescription for your transformation, hashtag real people, hashtag real conversations. I am working on getting more interviews again because I'm working on a very special program that I'm excited, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Ah, tease. Yeah, it's a tease. It's <laughs> awesome. And so I'm just waiting for that all to come together. So once again, thank you so much. And God bless all of you, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Barton Rademacher live right here on Radio Star Worldwide each week or on demand 24-7.